Welcome to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us again today. And I'm going to uh, set aside the series I've been doing uh, just for today because we have a very special uh, broadcast today with uh, an interview, someone very special to me, my own son, uh, Jake, or Jacob. He goes by Jake. But we're going to talk about something that is very important to him and to, to me, and it should be important to all of us as Christians and those part of the Lord's churches, and that is the subject of church planting. Uh, I am so proud in the right sense of that word that both of my sons, my oldest son Josh, he's going to be 34, and Jake is our middle son, he's 30. Uh, Both of them are involved in church planting. Uh, Josh is planting a church over in Scotland, and there in Scotland, and Jake is now involved in planting a church in Colorado Springs. And so we are just so uh, thankful that God's using both of them. Before, uh, well, let me welcome you first, Jake, to the program. Glad you, you got to join us. Thank it's a joy to have my own uh, children and family here uh, on the podcast occasionally. Well, let me just give a little bit of a plug for church planning before I get into interviewing Jake about his work. Um, I've always had a heart for church planning. Uh, I don't know if I got in any detail in, in the earliest programs of our podcast, but when God called me to preach back in 1985, I was living here in Texas, got saved at a little church in Texas here in Fort Worth. Uh, but God had put a, a burden on my heart to start a church back up in Ohio where I was raised. I thought I would go to Youngstown, Ohio, where I was born and raised, but God didn't seem to open that door up. But in 1990, my wife and I, and then at that time just had our oldest son, Josh, who was just about a year and a half old, uh, we uh, went to Columbus, Ohio, and started a church in the outskirts of Columbus, and were there for 16 years, actually, till 2006. And uh, so I've always had a love for church planning, a real burden for our country. I love foreign missions, our church. Arlington Baptist supports a little over 40 missionaries right now. We've sent out my uh, oldest son, Josh, and his work. And so we're always going to have a heart for foreign missions. But I really believe uh, if America's ever going to be rescued from the spiritual decline and slide that we're in, it's going to take more good and godly churches. And so I'm just so thrilled to know that Jake is uh, doing his work up in Colorado Springs. So I thought it'd be a great thing to have him on the podcast today and just let him uh, share with you his heart and some of the things that uh, he's uh, experienced. First thing I thought I'd have him do, just Jake, just uh, kind of introduce yourself, yeah. tell us about your, your family, my wonderful grandkids and so forth, and, and do that first. Go ahead. Absolutely. Well, my name is Jacob Hamilton, and it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. I appreciate it. And I am married to Susie. And she's my wife. We've been married now almost 10 years. Great. And then we have three children, uh, Joyella, who's eight years old, Nathaniel, who's five, and then our newest addition, Talitha, is about four months old. So we have three kids, and we live in Colorado Springs. And we've been there for going on four years in Colorado Springs, and we got involved in church planning. And we are now uh, meeting in Monument, which is just north of Colorado Springs, same area pretty much. And we've been meeting there holding a Bible study for two years. And we just started holding worship services last September. Great. So we're a little over six months holding worship services, but Excellent. we're very excited about what, what's going on. Excellent. Thank you, Jake. We're uh, blessed, by the way, to have Jake in person. He's not over the phone doing this podcast. <laughs> he and his wife and kids uh, came down to Texas, and he left the kids with us for a few days. And we have enjoyed 
seeing our grandkids, especially our little miracle granddaughter, Talitha. We call her Tally. She was premature by over two months or so uh, and uh, was in the hospital for almost three months before they finally let her go home. But she is just a joy and so precious. And so anyway, we've enjoyed that. So Jake, let me have you start by just explaining kind of your call to be a church planner. What do you think led you to want to be a church planner, start a church of you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, obviously, uh, you know about my upbringing. You were a part of it. (laughs) Being raised in a Christian home, being raised in church, being raised under preaching um, all my life, I knew that part of what being a Christian meant is to be involved in reaching people with the gospel, planning churches. And so I always associated that with living for God even though you don't necessarily have to be a church planner to live for God. I, I always made that um, mm. that kind of connection in my own mind. Good. So when I was 19, I felt a burden to be involved in gospel ministry of some kind. I wasn't yeah. sure exactly how that would all play out, right. but I did feel called into ministry at 19 years old. And then as the years went on, after I got married and stuff, um, really just started seeking God's will about what He wanted me to do, how He wanted sure. me to be involved. And as I would read the Gospels... I fell so much in love with the person of Jesus Christ and what he did and what he taught. And I thought to myself, you know, mm-hmm. I really want to be involved in what Christ would, if he was on earth right now, uh, in the flesh, although he's present in his spirit now, mm-hmm. if, he were on, if he were on earth right now, what would he be involved in? And I want to get involved in whatever that would Amen. be. Amen. Great. And so I, I just, I knew that, you know, reaching people, making disciples, building mm-hmm. churches, I know that's God's work. And of course, Christ promised us that he will build his church. That's right. And that's his... That's his organization in this world. And his, his, uh, his will, his hands and his feet in this world. So I really wanted to be involved in church planning. I was okay with, I mean, I, I did like being involved in other churches and helping out, but I really did want to be involved in planning a church from the ground up. I thought that would be a really neat experience. And so that was a desire that started to grow in me probably around, I'd say probably 2015 or 16, I started yeah. having a burden to do some kind of church planning. Amen. And as far, as far as how Colorado came into it, it's kind of hard to really pinpoint how I, I thought of Colorado just came to mind. Um, I, you'd lived out there in the mm-hmm. 80s for a short period of time. Yeah. yeah, Mimi and her husband had lived there, so I was familiar with Colorado. Right. And then I had uh, met a few people um, uh, in, in church work and ministry that had told me there's a great need in the front range of Colorado, that there we have a good need, great need for churches there. Yeah. So that's kind of where that uh, that thought of, of going to Colorado to plant a church really began. And then uh, as time as time went on, I really felt strong a stronger call and a desire to go to Colorado and plant a church. So 2017, yeah. we moved to Denver. Not really sure where we would end up on the front range, but I thought Denver's a pretty big city, and I ended up landing a job there. Good. So we moved to Denver, and then over the next couple of years, we had further direction from God that we felt like Colorado Springs was going to be the best place for us. But that's how we ended up there, and that's okay. kind of how I ended Good. up being called into church planning. Good, great, yeah. great answer. Let me have, uh, kind of delve a little further into that, because yeah. I want the people to know about your wife being a Filipino. Yeah, uh, Susie and her family are from the Philippines. And I want you to, because I like to be real on our program, mm-hmm. and you know, people need to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I want you to just, you know, take a long time, but tell them how that you first went to Denver, and you know, our church, we went one time with a couple of people to try to help you get that thing off the ground yeah. in Denver, and it just, you know, the Lord wasn't in it, it didn't work, but 
kind of tell them how maybe I know you met this Filipino couple at some kind of an Asian store or something yeah, happened. Yeah. Tell them a little bit about how you know the the bad how maybe how Denver maybe some things you learned that didn't work there. Yeah. You felt like Colorado Springs was a better thing. Tell them how that mm, worked. Thank you. That's that is such a good point you bring up. When we first got we we were in Denver but we moved down to Colorado Springs and we started Family Baptist Church. Kind of the kind of the old fashioned more traditional way. It was really just. Um, me and my wife, and we were by ourselves, and we, we, we rented a small office space on the south side of town, and we just got chairs, got a pulpit, got stuff, kind of the old-fashioned way, and started holding services and trying to reach people, and you all were gracious enough to come and help us pass out flyers and stuff, and we had a few people visit from time to time, they would come, but when they saw it was just me and my wife and my kids, they kind of didn't really know what it was. Yeah. We didn't really have any connections in the area. We didn't know any other churches really or other pastors. So it was very difficult. And we, we did that for about six months, just holding those services in that, that yeah. office space. Yeah. And I really didn't feel like it was going anywhere. I felt like, you know, we have got to connect with people that are in this area that can that we can have somewhat of a connection that we can yes. be able to start reaching people. Right. So that's when uh, I had talked with you and we determined, you know, let's just let's find a church in this area to plug into get to know and see if there's maybe a group or a team that's already doing church planning I can join up with. Yes. So we ended up going to a small Filipino church that we found in Colorado Springs. And through that church, even though that church ended up having a lot of problems and was not really teaching good things, we were able to meet a couple from that church that introduced us to Jericho and Mattis. Yeah. And they're part of the North American Mission Board. And uh, so anyway, we wanted to plant this church. We kind of, we were kind of seeking, what are we supposed to do next? Because we felt like the six-month um, time that we spent trying to do it all on our own was just not working. Mm. And we were just running into problems. We didn't yes. have anybody to help us. We didn't right. have any any ties in the local area. So it was very difficult. But when I, when I met Jericho for the first time, I remember him telling me, I, he, you know, he told me, I'm a church planning catalyst. Mm. I thought, church planning catalyst. So what, do you, what exactly do you, <laughs> you, do you do? And he said, well, I help people plant churches and... I thought this this is not by accident. Yeah. I knew that meeting was a divine appointment. So <laughs> I told him I said, Well that's what we're here trying to do, is plan a church. Yes. So we ended up connecting with Jericho and Mattis and uh, we got to know them. We ended up becoming um, church planners with North American Mission Board and we ended up starting a church that we still meet in his home to this day. So it was really interesting how God led our paths. Amen. Across theirs. It was great. Amen. Let me just interject because it was a great testimony he gave, and, and I appreciate Jake's humility. I remember very well when, you know, he had been there a while in Denver and it just didn't seem to be gelling and, and, and he said, you know, I think Dad, you know, Lord maybe uh want me to go to Colorado Springs, a bit more conservative town, blah, blah, blah. But I, I appreciate his humility because, you know, one of the biggest uh impediments uh, obstacles to church planning is discouragement. Uh, so many guys get out there. Uh, when I started our church in, in Columbus in 1990, I remember a pastor telling me there had been like 10 other people come to that same area in the last 10, 15 years he'd been there, stayed about a year or two and stopped and, and left because the church just never got off the ground. So it's, it's a very difficult thing. And I appreciate mm -hmm. Jake's humility. He stayed with it. And I'm just blessed how that all, all came together. Mm -hmm. Now, there's another area of Jake's ministry that I think is so important that I want him to talk about. And it's something I had to do. And I think every church planner, every young man, every young family who feels like God may be leading them to start a church, 
uh, especially here in the States, I would say, uh, is probably going to have to be bivocational. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's very hard for a church planner to get support as a home missionary uh, enough to be able to go full-time just to do church planning. I, I was uh, blessed by a little bit of support when I started our church, but I had to work a job for about eight years when I first got there. And uh, Jake is bivocational. In fact, he's a very busy young man. I'm very proud of him. He takes good care of his family. And But I wanted you to talk about, Jake, um, how the the bivocational aspect of your ministry had, you know, pros and cons, you know, uh, how that has affected your ministry. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up because being bivocational, like you just mentioned, I appreciate the point you made. I, I think it's becoming more necessary. Mm -hmm. And I do think eventually to do church planning, you're going to have to be bivocational in, I some, agree. Some, in some way. And so with being bivocational, kind of the cons, I say I would say the cons are just you're really busy. You've got mm -hmm. a lot going on. Definitely. And sometimes it feels like you're trying to juggle all these things and it can be overwhelming. But what I have found is that being bivocational, I think, has changed my view and approach to ministry. Mm. And I think it can be done, but I think you do have to kind of tailor it to your lifestyle. Like I think the kind of church plant that we're starting, we keep it very simple. We meet in each other's homes. Um, we don't have a lot of extra programs and things going on. So yeah. I think that's the best thing to do is just try and incorporate church life into your own life. Good. Um, Good. Don't, don't make it too complicated. Don't add a lot of unnecessary things. Good. Just keep it about that Acts 242 stuff of Amen. just fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers, and the apostles' doctrine. Good. Keep it. Keep Good. the church simple, the main, you yes. know, the basics, the basics. That's right. And that has helped me keep my sanity that we haven't had a lot of extra stuff going on. And I, and I don't fault other church planners who do a lot of events. And, you know, I know a lot of church planners that put in a ton of hours. I'm not sure if they're bivocational, probably, probably not. But a lot of them will put in hours and hours to big community events. And they've got all the trappings of a modern church. Mm. And, you know, worship teams mm. and events mm. here and there. And they're, they're really just doing everything. And, and it's more of an attractional type model. Good point. And so point. We, we've steered away from that. We've just kept church very simple. Amen. And the way we try to reach people is just really through relationships. And it, it is, I will tell you, it's a much slower. Yes. It's a yes. much slower way Great of building point. a church. But I feel like it's been, um, we have a small group, maybe around 10 but I feel like the people we have, we have built those relationships strong and those roots have gone deep with those people. Good. So we really know them well. They know me. And uh, though all church ministry is going to have trouble at some point, we really have not had a lot of trouble. We have a very unified group. And I think it's because we invested for so many months building those relationships. And so yes. we know each other so well. Good. I think when people just go out and try and attract anyone uh, without really doing that spade work, yeah, they're just bringing in a lot of people that end up causing division and problems, That's and there's true. misunderstandings, and the, the people don't it's really good. know each other. It's good. So it's been slower. We've only added like a family or two a year, but we're steady, steadily growing at that rate. Amen. And the families that we're adding, we're really creating deep connections with them. Amen. So I think, um, I good. think if you're bivocational, I would just encourage you. It is hard. I'm not going to lie; it's not easy. And, um, you know, it may not be a, a good long-term thing for you, but if you can do it in the beginning, I would just encourage you to always keep God first and keep your family first, too. Make sure that you're spending time with your wife and kids, because it can get busy. And I would always encourage you to keep your family first. Uh, I heard a guy at a conference recent, recently say, you take care of your bride, 
and Christ will take care of his. Great. I think that's a Love great that point. Quote. Love that so quote. So you take care of your family, God will take care of his. Amen. Great answer, Jake. A couple of things, let me reiterate. He did such a great job on that answer. Um, first of all, I do think we ought to say this, Jake, just so our uh, listeners mm-hmm. might know this. Uh, because Jake's bivocational, I was bivocational, there's a lot of pastors in America are the bivocational. That does not mean that's necessarily the model of the New Testament. It is not actually the model. We're doing it. Jake's doing it. I did it when I started a church because necessity demanded it. Mm-hmm. The Bible does teach, folks, if, if you're not familiar with this, that the those who live with the gospel or those that preach the gospel should live with the gospel. Mm-hmm. First yeah. Corinthians 9, the first 14 verses or so, you can study that on your own. So I want to put a little disclaimer into that. We're not saying that bivocational ministry is the model and every pastor, every man in full-time ministry ought to be working a secular job too. But for the love of church planning, the love of getting a church going, the love of reaching people, uh, sometimes it's necessary. And I think it's becoming more and more necessary as time goes on. Mm. But two other things Jake brought up as well. I love how he ended that, that segment of his answer. And that is, you cannot lose your family in ministry. God never called a man to lose his family while he's doing ministry. And if you lose your family, is another quote I always heard, and it's more simple than the one he gave, but uh, no family, no ministry. Mm. And that's, uh, that's mm. true. So I love what he said. So Jake's, you know, he's juggling a lot of hats, man. You got to wear a lot of hats in church planning, uh, but he's taking good care of his family. He's a nice home. He's providing their needs. And uh, they have a happy family. He's got a great wife and kids, and I'm very excited about them. Uh, but one other thing he said that really we got to make a, co- a comment about, and that is church planning is slow growth. It's it's plodding. You know, the old uh, William Carey, the first missionary, said, I'm a plodder. And I like the way he said that. Yeah. You've got to plod in church planning. Um, if you think you're going to go out there and have 100 or 200 people in a year or two, uh, you might get a crowd, but you won't have a church. And so it's really important, as Jake said, he's, he's slowly but surely building relationships, making sure people really get it, they're really converted, they're really following Christ. Hey, Jesus turned the world upside down with, with 12 apostles, and one of them wasn't even a true apostle. So numbers aren't it. Anyway, good answer, Jake. Let me go on to another thing I want to talk about. Um, and this is kind of bringing it more, more all together for us, but what do you think are some of the greatest challenges uh, for church planning here in the States. I mean, you know, your brother Josh is over in, in Scotland and, and missionaries that are planting churches, other parts of the world. We could spend a lot of time talking about that. I, I'm not saying they don't have problems and challenges. They do. But I especially uh, want to talk about here you are starting a church in the States. What do you think are some of the challenges and, and how we need to be thinking about church planning in America as we go on? Mm, well, that's a great question. I think there are there are, are a lot of challenges to planning churches, even in the United States. Even though our our culture is so saturated with Christianity, good point. Um, in, in in many ways, that is a benefit, but there are some drawbacks to that as well. I think one of the big, uh, just in my own experience, some roadblocks I've seen for church planning is number one, people are so busy. Yeah. We live in such yes. a busy culture yes. here. People are working. Um, a lot of times, 40-plus hours a week, often multiple jobs exactly. because of the cost of living and everything. So it's very hard to get people to really prioritize time for God and for their spiritual life. It's tough. I'm not going to lie. It's, yes, it's it very is. difficult. We only really meet twice a month. We have a Bible study and a worship service, and then we usually have one or two other things that we'll do throughout the month. 
it, it's it's honestly hard to get people to come consistently mm. to those things. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to grow into that weekly consistency. Yeah. But we're really trying to help people make small steps and right. start getting committed to two events right. a month. And then the things that we do, you know, we Good. have a, we have a weekly Zoom meeting we do with our men that we try Good. and get them on. So, but I think busyness is is one of the big obstacles. And I don't know that I have a really good answer for that. I think that you know people just need to see that the spiritual side of their life is the most important. Amen. And yeah, they need to provide for themselves. They need to have what they need to live, but they also have got to put God first. And that's very hard. It's very hard to put that into somebody. It's really a work of God. You just have to pray that God will show them through circumstances in their yes. life, maybe a tragedy yes. that happens to them, that they really need to prioritize Him. Amen. So that's one thing I'm going to tell you right now that you are going to experience as a church planner is you're just going to get this a lot from people. I'm busy. That's yeah. what's going on. I can't make it. Yeah, that that's just common, common. And so, and obviously we we try to be realistic with what we expect people to do, but I feel like what we're doing is more than reasonable to expect people to attend. Yeah. So just be ready for that and just pray that God will help people to get their priorities straight because a lot of them... Good. Their priorities are all out of whack. So it takes a lot of patience, a lot of yes, prayer. Amen. And it's exciting when you see people start to change their priorities. You can see where they start coming to church and they start doing things right. And that is very encouraging and that amen. will happen. But I think the number one is the busyness is tough in our culture. Number two, because Christianity has, has, been, has flourished so much in our country, good and bad, um, a lot of people have a sour taste in their mouth, I feel, yeah. towards Christianity. They it's think true. that... Um, you know, the classic, they're all hypocrites or they're just out to get your money. So there's a lot of that. You know, America is not a field where people go, oh, the gospel? I've never heard of this before. You know, yeah, yeah. It's not like that here. People, yeah. they might not understand the true gospel, but they under, they think they understand what Christianity is about. Yes. So I think it just gives us um, a greater duty to really live a high moral standard, really Amen. treat people right. Don't ever have questionable motives like you're trying to get them just to increase your numbers or trying to get money out of them or anything like that. Um, we have giving at our church, but we're always very nonchalant about it. I don't say nonchalant, but very uh, low pressure. We just yeah. say, hey, Good. Uh, give as God leads you. Good. And we, don't, we don't harp on it much because we don't right. want them to think that we're just there to get their money because obviously right. we're not. So I think two is just a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth and they think all Christians are, are all hypocrites. But really what we're trying to get people to understand is that in this has always baffled me personally why people think that uh well all Christians are hypocrites when we um unequivocally declare that we are not perfect yeah. and that we need right. forgiveness that's what our whole Amen. faith is about Amen. so it's kind of interesting how people have yeah. that idea of like, oh you guys are hypocrites and you're not perfect yeah we yeah. never claim to be perfect in fact, <laughs> that's what we've told our them. whole faith is about unperfect imperfect people being forgiven right. and restored Amen. to god so right. just reminding ourselves what our own faith is about yeah. and lovingly remind them you know friend there are a lot of hypocrites in the christian faith and the bible even teaches that some of them aren't even saved right that they're wolves in sheep's clothing that right. are not sparing the flock but we also need to some we need to lovingly get back to the issue of well friend yeah, there's hypocrites out there, but what about your sin? Mm-hmm. What about your condemnation? What about the state you're in? You need forgiveness. You need restoration, just like I do, just like everybody else does. Amen. So I think we really need to get back to that basic and, and in a nice way, um, get people off of that high mountain that they're perched on, looking down at all the hypocrites and helping <laughs> them to see that they too need yes. forgiveness. Yes. So I think, I think busyness, I think just b- bad taste in their mouth of Christianity. Yes. 
And I think thirdly, um, there's just a lot of, uh, there's a lot of churches, almost anywhere in America you go, there's going to be a lot of churches. We're so blessed to have, we were just talking, uh, you and I just a little while ago about the, the town of Weatherford, Texas, just a tiny town. I don't even yeah. know what the 35,000 maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Little Six town or seven in Texas. Baptist so. churches. Yeah, yeah. Where we used to live, by the way. He's talking about a place where we used to live and serve and church work there, yeah. So it's, it, you, know, see, you know, there's probably some parts of the country you go to not see as many churches, but if you go to any town in the United States of more than 20, 30,000 people, there is a, yes. a ton of churches. And one thing I've noticed about that is, and one thing that saddens me is a lot of churches, they become territorial. And if they find out you're playing in that area, they kind of... Good point. And I think as Christians, we need to remember that we're on the same team. Amen. We're trying to reach the same world. We're trying to preach the same, hopefully, trying to preach the same gospel Excellent. and lead people to Jesus Christ. So there's going to be people in your area that will be very supportive of you. There's been some churches in our area that have been very friendly to us, very helpful. And there's been some that have kind of treat, treated mm. us as if we're a threat. Mm. And uh, that's sad. But yeah. I think that's another challenge is just dealing with other churches. Because yeah. you're not going right. to an area where there's just no gospel witness. Right. There's other people. Excellent. And believe it or not, even though we're all Christians, there's some Christians that get immature and, and think, well, this is my backyard and stuff. And just um, just trying to treat them with grace. And, and then, you know, we can't treat how other ch churches treat us. But what we want to do to other churches in our area is treat them with kindness. And, hey, we're on the same yeah. mission. We're trying Amen. to reach the same people. Great. And I think... Forging partnerships with other churches in your Good. area, working together. If you're going to do an event, do it with some other churches. Good. We're on the same team. Good, good. So I think that's really important. Great. It's working Great. with other churches and not allowing them to, not allowing it to become a competition. Yeah, yeah. Great answers, Jake. Excellent. Um, let me just highlight a couple of uh, things he said. First of all, I can tell you that the things that Jake said about the challenges of, of church planning are the same challenges of an existing church, by the way. We are living in, in dark times. Uh, anybody with any spiritual discernment, biblical discernment, knows, I believe personally, that we're, we're in the end times. It's serious I'm doing on the end times now that we're taking a break from. But uh, what he talked about, uh, the busyness of people. Uh, an existing church deals with that. We have the hardest time getting people to be faithful, yeah. uh, new people to, to start coming on a regular basis, uh, uh, to give and so forth, to serve, to get involved in ministry. Uh, and so uh, all the things that, that Jake just said about uh, the whole idea of, uh, of just getting people to be more faithful, putting God first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So uh, I, think it's, I think it's amplified more in a in a small church setting like Jake was talking about. Uh, I pastor a small church. I, I pastor two small churches now. And when you're in a small church and you deal with people who aren't faithful, who don't get involved, it just amplifies the problem even more. I mean, big churches, the mega churches, you know, that's why they're getting bigger, by the way, is that uh, people can float in and float out of mega churches. They're not missed and they don't think they need to serve and they have enough money and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, uh, the challenges Jake just uh, just talked about, and I, I love what he said about you know this this spirit unfortunately that we have in our country, and and he's right every town. I mean, I pastor a church in Arlington, Texas. Here, uh, I bet within a five mile radius of our church, there's forty churches. Probably, I bet it maybe more, uh, and that's pretty typical of many American cities and towns. So the competition, it's you hate to have to use that word. But it is. And one thing I've talked about on other podcasts, if you've listened to some of my ones I did on, on ecclesiology uh, a couple of months back, 
I talked about it's a sad situation that people can float in from one church to another. They get disgruntled. They get upset. They go to another church and they're welcome with open arms. We have a lot of, we don't have a lot of real growth of new converts in churches. We have a lot of stealing sheep is what we have. So in other words, it's, it's a challenge. Well, let me go on, Jake, so our time will get away. Um, I want you to just address if there's anybody who's either involved in a church plan or maybe a church planner themselves, I want you to at least give them some encouraging words. You told us about the challenges. I mean, what are some things you would say if you were sitting down with a group of church planners? I know you've went to conferences and you've heard a lot of it, but yeah. share your heart with any other buddy else that would be doing a church plan or involved in a church plan. Yeah. If you're involved in a church plant or are feeling God might be calling you to that or you're or giving you a desire to do church planting, I would just encourage you and remind you that it is the most important work going on in the world. I mean, Amen. there's a lot going on in this world. Amen. There's, um, you know, all sorts of stuff going on in manufacturing and technolo- you know, uh, technological advancements. Right. When we were just at South Padre Island, we were out on the bay on this ship and they pointed to us that there was... Uh, the SpaceX um, headquarters there in Brownsville, Texas, and they should. Wow. And we could see from the boat this big um, rocket ship that they're building called Starship that's hoping to, um, wow. I think, eventually take people to the moon. Good. And so there's all kinds of stuff going on in this world that seems important and big and a big deal, but there's nothing more important Amen. than the work of Christ building his church and people being saved and the kingdom Amen. of light. Um, gaining ground against the kingdom of darkness there's right. nothing more important in church planning is difficult it's it's not easy it's a very challenging thing to do but it's a very exciting thing to be involved in and really the only hope people have is jesus christ that's it that's right. and so church planning is uh something that we can do where the whole person can be restored not only spiritually but eventually uh, you know, the gospel is going to restore us eventually one day completely, uh, mind, body, soul, and spirit. One day we're, we're going to have glorified bodies, no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. Even though this side of eternity, we don't see that full restoration, the gospel will, in the future, completely and fully restore a human being. Amen. So if you love people, the best thing you could do is be involved in, in some type of gospel witness. And we know God has ordained his church to be that proclaimer that, pro- that pillar and ground of the truth. Right. And so I think for, for church planning, you just got to keep a big picture that you're involved in the most important thing. Even though the world doesn't put priority on church planning, they think that's weird and that's the last thing. I mean, if you had a list of things that are important going on, the SpaceX rocket, that's the big thing going on. That's, uh, that's not even on God's list. Church planning is at the top of the list. We're to be building... Um, the kingdom of God, making disciples, preaching the gospel. And that's what church planning is all about. And this world is so full of darkness. People are enslaved in sin, worry, doubt, fear. They're ultimately just on a path that leads to death. And the only thing that can combat that is Christ and him building his church. You just have to remember, you're, you're doing the most important thing you could possibly be doing. Church planning changes people's lives. Gospel proclamation changes people's lives. Amen. Not just economically, not just temporarily, but forever and for eternity. And their whole person will be restored through the gospel message. Amen. So I just think we have to keep Amen. a perspective on how important what we're doing is. And the fact exactly. that, you know, I, I would encourage you to have fun church planning. Yeah, treat it, it as... Treat it as Something, hey, let's take this city over for, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's find a way to reach people, influence people. 
um, let's let's find a way to make God's word and His gospel. Um, I, I'm forgetting the passage in the Old Testament where the knowledge of God will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Yeah. Something like yeah. that. That that ought to be our goal for our communities and our cities. How can we take this over? Not by force, but by love and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Good. How are you going to take over your city for Christ? How are you going to reach people? I don't know about you, but I get very angry with injustice. I get mad at at what the devil's doing to people. I get right. mad at their own, uh, at the sinfulness that's destroying people. We have the ability to rescue people from death. We have the ability to make people's lives better. Not just uh, Oprah Winfrey, you know, um, give people free gifts at the show kind of that makes their life better for about five minutes. Right. We have a way to make people's lives better for now and forever. Amen. And so that that is what's so exciting about Church Plan. There's Amen. nothing on earth like it. Amen. Amen. Jake, very well said. Well, that's a good way to bring this to a close because what Jake just described was really how Jesus uh, ended his ministry. Before he went back to heaven, he gave the Great Commission. That's what Jake was just describing in those beautiful words and, and his passion and his heart there. There's nothing more important than being involved in seeing people saved, uh, getting them to follow the Lord and believers' baptism, uniting them with an assembly of, of saints, of believers, which is what the Great Commission's yeah. about. And yeah. so let me encourage you, uh, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, two ways. First of all, if God's called you to church planning or you know God wants you to start a church, don't, don't hesitate. Don't, don't, uh, uh, don't give up on that. I know it's going to take some planning, and Jake said it well. He's right. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, but all ministry is a challenge. There's no easy ministry anymore. All ministry is a challenge. But God will help you. God will be with you. We need more churches in America. We do. It's the only hope left is good, godly churches reaching people one at a time. And then also I would say if you are just a, a lay person or a person who's maybe moved to a new place or you find out there's a church starting, a new church starting in your area, Give them a try. Go help them. Uh, it's it's really, uh, to me, kind of sad that we have so many people gravitating towards these big, huge mega churches uh, who already have all they need and you know have have more than they need, and and we have young churches uh, struggling, little church plants trying to get going, and we can't find enough people to help them. So really pray about that. Mm-hmm. Think about how you could be a part of a church plant. I mean, you could really be a blessing. Jake mentioned some some blessings from his people he has, and and I've pastored two small churches, and I'll tell you, if if it wasn't for faithful people among those few, that little church, I wouldn't even be doing what I'm doing. So you can have an impact. You can make a difference uh, if you'll get involved. So thank you for listening today. Jake, uh, Jake thank you for being with us. You're a welcome. great, great interview. And we're, we're so blessed to have you here and so proud of you as my son. And let me uh, end with our, our motto, conviction for truth and compassion for people. God bless you. Mm-hmm.